0: Iceberg, it's all on the surface, baby. Episode seven. It is Wednesday, May fifth, two thousand and twenty-one. May the fifth. Be with you. Your host, speak myself, Lee. It's a weird week. I'm having a weird day. Uh, I've got a date with with Pfizer next week, getting the first dose of the of the juice. And uh, based on my history with vaccines, I get deathly ill uh, from any vaccine hep, hep shots back in high school uh which thankfully usually fell on my birthday. Thank you for that. Uh would make me sick. I'd have a 102, 103 fever, throwing up, doing doing bad. Uh so I typically av- avoid getting flu shots cuz from my point of view it's just like if I get the flu, then I have the flu. If I get the shot, then I definitely have the flu. Uh when it comes to to something like the covid shot, it's good to make the decision to to get it until it's too late uh and you decide, "Man, I should have gotten that." Um, However, uh, it, it, in lieu of getting the shot and knowing it might, might make me sick, I've decided to kick energy drinks. Not permanently, of course. Oh, hell no. Uh, but I go through wicked withdrawals when I uh, get rid of, the, of that juice, as it were. Uh, so, like, cigarettes, alcohol, things like this. If you told me I, I, I don't get to have one more for the rest of my life, I would be fine. My body would be fine, and we would all go about our business. Energy drinks, however... And it's not the caffeine, because I'm still drinking copious amounts of caffeine and and coffee and things like that. It's not the caffeine that's doing it. It's something else. And it's not the sugar either, in that I drink mostly sugar-free energy drinks or low-carb wherever possible. So something else in the energy drinks changes. I mean, I drink one a day, let's be honest here. So uh, even even in trace amounts, whatever's in those energy drinks, um, you know, they put the warning on the outside. Don't drink more than one of these a day. Uh, but they don't say, you know, don't drink more than, uh, 30 of these in a month kind of, kind of thing. So, uh, n- no, no offense to them. This is, this is how it goes. This is how I am. Uh, I get a, uh, I kind of weaned myself. It wasn't a cold turkey thing. It was a, uh, a drink today, a third of a drink tomorrow, half, a quarter, nothing, uh, maybe a Coke zero, uh, to, to fool myself into thinking, uh, none of that really works. I still just wake up with a migraine headache and a little bit of throwing up. That's good. That's cool. Uh, and it's mostly just a haze. it's a uh it's like a, a brain fog uh, and uh, my, your vision gets fucked up. i got I have blurry vision straight up. It, this is not like, oh, Lee, you're sick. you should you should go get tested no i've I've kicked energy drinks a few more times, and this is exactly how it goes in the exact amount of time every fucking time. so i'm I'm thinking I'm on the other side of it now I got a little bit of a flop sweat going, a little bit of a headache, not a lot of energy. the brain fogs going on. of course, I am prof- a professional so you would never know if I didn't tell you. That all this was going on because I'm able to bring it on a weekly basis, even if it is a day late. So let's uh, let's take this this. I'm also buying a, a truck, uh, well an SUV. It's not a truck. I get more of a car uh, this week. So there's a lot there's a lot going on. There's there's investing. There's bank and talk interest rates. Uh, getting this shot coming up. My dad just retired. Uh, things things are happening at work. It's a weird week. So I thought we would uh, take a little trip. Down something where I don't need a lot of I can just I can just fucking soliloquy here for you on uh things like Star Wars and Pokemon. There's some giant bomb news to talk about. We're gonna start with Star Wars. Of course, uh I, I alluded to what a hilarious meme uh earlier in this in this podcast, the May the Fourth be with you. And uh this this was a I I'm not gonna look this up because it doesn't deserve it. Uh this was a fan made. Thing day celebration meme whatever you want to call it and Disney has kind of just co opted it and 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 turned it into Star Wars Day May Fourth is uh is is Star Wars Day and then of course you have a uh, was it the Revenge of the Revenge of the Sixth Return of the Fifth all that all that bullshit I I am so disenfranchised with Star Wars uh, I couldn't get did a new show come out? did Bad Batch come out yesterday I've heard nothing about it but I thought because I have a great uh, transition from Star Wars into what I want to talk about with Pokemon today, uh, that we would start with reading a variety review of Star Wars from 1977. This was resurfaced by variety themselves. They're like, we need fucking Star Wars content for the Star Wars day. We forgot it was f- fucking Star Wars day. And they just went into their archives and reprinted the review from, uh, 12 years before I was born a uh, little background on Star Wars for me I got into Star Wars on a trip to Disney World I think it was they had the Star Tours ride I didn't know shit about it's it's cool as a kid like now it's ubiquitous like you you could not be an 8-year-old and not know what the fuck Star Wars was now um but then uh it's it's this was before the fucking prequels remember this is before even the hype of the prequels uh began so Star Tours was kind of it uh, there were still toys. They were doing Shadows of the Empire, I think, at the time. So there was comics, toys, expanded universe stuff. And nerds were really into it. And it was still a, a fucking powerhouse. Uh, but, of course, things got cranked into a whole new stratosphere uh, when the the prequel stuff started happening. And when it did. Too bad about those prequels. Uh, but I think, I think we can all look at them n- nostalgically now, right? But then you think of other movies that are coming out at the same time. You think of Lord of the Rings. The comparison has been made, but you think of the just the you think of those movies coming out in the same year, *Phantom Menace* and, and *Fellowship of the Ring*, and you're just like, man, wow. Anyway, let's get down to this uh, film review of, of of Star Wars. Of course, as I'm saying, when I got into Star Wars, there was only three movies, and then the Ewoks cartoon and whatever the the holiday special. There there wasn't a lot of Star Wars media. There was tons of games, of course, books and stuff like that, but not movies, not TV shows. Uh, that that was rarefied air for Star Wars at the time. Now, of course, for you and you'll fucking hit one. Uh, but what what most captivated me, Lee, was not the story of Star Wars because obviously Star Tours doesn't really give you a taste of that. It just gives you uh, a taste of the atmosphere, a taste of the the look, the aesthetic, if you will. And the thing that stood out for me about Star Wars and got I became a fan of it uh, was was the, the ships and the in the vehicles. And how fucking shitty they looked! Uh, I, I they looked so lived in. They looked realistic in a very unrealistic way. It's just like no, here's the here's the space jalopy. Everything is not. A lot of these people are poor. Star Wars introduces you to Tatooine, where it's just like people are for, farming moisture. There's a bunch of fucking bounty hunters and assholes uh, populating the the major cities and hubs and stuff like that. this. Is a this is a backwater piece of shit town. And uh, look look at look at the Millennium Falcon as an example. Just a a real piece of shit. Uh and I think the design in Star Wars, uh you know, they they changed it up. When you when you have the prequels, you had the Naboo fighter and you had uh more sleek designed looking ships that the bourgeoisie, uh the, you know, the the empire has very militaristic looking vehicles. The rebels have whatever they can get. They bought a bunch of X-wings on surplus. Uh it does it does the trick. They're not much to look at. But then you have the Naboo who's who's, you know, a little more affluent. Uh they they spring for the chrome on their, their spaceships and, and shiny metal and stuff like that. And I thought that was at least consistent through all of the Star Wars movies. Uh, you look at what the Jedi are driving and you look at like the cruisers and stuff like that. I think that paints a way more consistent picture of Star Wars um, than anything else. And people are like, oh, in the prequels, things are newer. Things are, are more advanced. Things look newer than they do in the old movies. It's just like, yeah, but think of the the context of that. Think of where the prequels go. When you go to the cloning facility, for example, that's a state-of-the-art facility. They Money is not an option. It's it's all spotless and looking good. However, you still go to the, uh, dr- was it the droid factory or whatever? And it looks like shit. It looks like it's taking place in the Jawa Sandcrawler. I digress. When this movie came out, and of course, I, I'm not breaking new ground here. You can find an endless supply of Star Wars uh, anywhere. Uh, YouTube deep dives on, on everything Star Wars, the making of Star Wars, how much George, of George Lucas's original vision for this movie actually translated to the, to the screen, and how much of it was a, a piece of art by committee making this thing what, what it is and making it so profound. In 1977, movies like this, a space opera like this, didn't do well, wasn't a col- cultural phenomenon, and uh, of course Star Wars went off to spin off into... A uh, number of foreign rip-off films, uh, such as uh, Turkish Star Wars, and you can see all of that and more. Uh, I would recommend Red Letter Media, I think, has covered quite a few of them. I know The Cinema Snob, if anybody's still watching Brad, uh, he's, he's covered quite a bit of it. And it's all very fascinating. And it's all, of course, the late 70s, so... There are two very different late 70s. There's Hollywood in the late 70s making Star Wars. And then there's whatever you got over in Turkey ripping it off. And it's it's a great dichotomy. Star Wars is a magnificent film. This review begins. George Lucas set out to make the biggest possible adventure fantasy out of his memories and serials and older action epics, and he succeeded brilliantly. Lucas and producer Gary Kurtz assembled an enormous technical crew drawn for the entire Hollywood production pool of talent, and the results equal the genius of Walt Disney, Willis O'Brien, and other justifiably famous practitioners of what Erwin Allen calls movie magic. The 20th uh, Fox release is also loaded with box office magic with potent appeal across the entire audience spectrum. Show it to babies. I think uh, in terms of showing Star Wars to your kids, I I think A New Hope is still the way to go. Uh, It's maybe the least heavy lifting and has a, a clear plot, everybody's together, uh, we're all accomplishing something at the same time, we cut away to the villains occasionally, but that's about it. It's rescuing a princess from a from a castle. I think that reads uh, to, to everyone. Um, this is really interesting because 20th Century Fox, of course, put out Star Wars, and uh, they compare the genius of George Lucas here to Walt Disney. Of course, Walt Disney has since acquired both Lucasfilm and 20th Century Fox, so... They have to be stopped. Uh, the story is engaging space. Uh, the story is an engaging space adventure, which takes itself seriously while occasionally admitting and uh, affectionate poke at the genre. The most immediate frame of reference is Flash Gordon, and it's more than that. Uh, it's an Errol Flynn escapist adventure, and befitting that, composer John Williams and orchestrator Herbert W. Spencer have supplied a rousing score worthy of Corn and Steiner. Okay. Like a breath of fresh air, Star Wars sweeps away the cynicism uh, that has, in recent years, obscured uh, the concepts of valor, dedication, and honor. Not entirely sure what he's uh, he's referring to there, but you could uh, take a couple swings at conflicts the United States was uh, involved in from the 60s to the 70s. Uh, make no mistake, this is by no means a children's film, well, with all the derogatory overtones that go with that description. This is instead a superior example of what only the screen can achieve... And closer to home, it is another affirmation of what only Hollywood can put on screen. Jesus Christ. Get a room. In casting his principles, Lucas chose three not-so-familiar faces. All young, talented, and designed to make the story one of the people. Uh, What? Uh, Not a garish gadget gadgetry. Whoa, jeez. Someone's using the thesaurus on this uh, review. The superb balance of technology and human drama is one of the many achievements one identifies with the characters and accepts, as do they, the intriguing intergalactic world in which they live. Of course, this is the benefit of having Luke Skywalker as a character in this thing is that this is a guy who's who's lived... Uh, over a decade in this world, but still has a lot of questions of how... If there's a, a deleted scene. So I got this Star Wars behind the magic thing. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It was released in the 90s. And it was a uh, CD-ROM for your computer. And had a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. And again, th- this is before uh, the prequels, even. Uh, so a lot of this, this was just based on things that existed for so long. We thought we knew everything. Uh, but there are there are deleted scenes. There's a deleted scene, I think, with Luke at Toshi Station or something like that. When uh, what's his name? Dirk, De- De- Derek, Darklighter. What's the fuck the, the the fucking pilot's name? You're, if you're correcting me right now, you're a nerd. Anyway, Darklighter, I believe his last name, the pilot. Uh, he was gonna get, he was getting ready to go off and fight for the rebellion. Uh, whereas Luke was excited about joining the Empire and and dogfighting with him, Kind of giving you the sense that I, I guess they wanted to get rid of this because again it is just a bunch of stoners laying around in a gas station, uh, which is a weird way to begin your film. But also, uh, it, it setting up Luke as uh, kind of a gray tweener that he's going to join the Empire just because he he likes to fly and they're recruiting uh, as a way to get off this this rock of Tatooine uh, is interesting. And then of course when when things go down his his family uh, circuit family gets burnt to a crisp. Uh, he, you know, he face turns and is against the Empire at that time. Um, but it does give you a a glimpse into this back backwater world and how uninvolved in the plot of Star Wars Tatooine is at the start. <laughs> this is o- Obi-Wan went to live there as a hermit for a fucking reason because ain't nobody coming looking for him. Uh, the only reason the Empire has a, a presence and occupation in Tatooine and Mos Eisley is because they're looking for those droids that escaped, and of course, R two D two's got the Death Star plans. It all makes sense. It rhymes. It's like poetry. Uh, Carrie Fisher, previously in a small role in Shampoo, is delighted, uh, delightful as a regal but spunky princess on the Rebel planet. Um, what? Who has been kidnapped by Peter Cushing, would be ruler of the universe? That's Tarkin, I guess. Yeah, he's there's no there's no Empire. Emperor in uh, in New Help, He's just, just, I guess, referenced, referred to. Uh, Mark Hamill, previously a TV player, is excellent as a farm boy who sets out to rescue Fisher in League with Alec Guinness, last survivor of the Band of Noble Knights. Uh, Harrison Ford, previously in Lucas's American Graffiti, and Francis Coppola's The Conversation, is outstanding as a likable mercenary pilot who joins our friends uh, with his pal P- uh, Peter May- Mayhew, a quasi-monkey creature, with blue eyes whom Fisher calls a walking rug. That's kind of doing uh, Chewbacca a disservice there. Uh, I've never seen American Graffiti. I've heard it referred to a lot. The first time that, that game came on my radar is you unlock a car in one of the Rebel Strike or uh, Rogue Squadron games. And it's like, it's from American Graffiti. It's like, okay. I guess that's cool. You can fly around in a car and shoot TIE, tie fighters. Uh, both Guinness and Cushing bring the right measure of majesty to their opposition, uh, opposite characters. One of Cushing's key aides is played by David Prowse, destined to a fatal duel with Guinness. Uh, okay, with whom he shares mystical powers. All right. Prowse's face is uh, concealed behind frightening black armor. James Earl Jones unbilled provides a note of sonorous menace as Prowse's voice. Anthony Daniels and Kenny Baker play a mutt and Jeff team of kooky robots. The heroes and the heavies joust through an exciting series of confrontations uh, replent with laser guns and other futuristic equipment, building suspense towards the climatic destruction of Cushing's warmongering planet. Referring to the Death Star, I guess. Uh, several They said it was no moon. That doesn't make it a planet. That makes it a, a space station. Uh, several chase and escape sequences are likely to stimulate spontaneous audience applause. Yeah. Uh, Lucas ha- is no credit hog, and all contributions are acknowledged on the end titles, bearing all the names listed above, as well as assistance in various categories. The film opens after the 20th logo, with a type of receding crawl that Flash Gordon fans will recognize locations in... In tu- Tunisia? What? Death Valley, uh, Guatemala, and Africa were utilized. Uh, and interiors were shot at EMI's British studios, where the terrific score was also recorded. But the technical effects were all done here. Technicolor did the production color work and Deluxe the Prince. Use of Dolby sound enhances the overall impact. Lucas' feature, uh, first feature, THX 1138, uh, was also futuristic in tone. But there, uh, the story emphasis was on machines controlling man. In Star Wars, the people remain the masters of the hardware, thereby striking a more resonant tone of empathy and hope. This is the kind of film in which an audience first entertained can later walk out feeling good all over. I mean, a new hope, yeah, absolutely. Wait till Empire Strikes Back, though. And there you have it. A very glowing review of Star Wars, which was it was kind of a mixed bag when it, uh, when it initially made the scene. But, uh good stuff. So I'm in I'm into Star Wars now. I go into Rogers' video. Rogers is a media conglomerate here in uh in Canada. They own Hockey arenas and uh, a cell phone, pretty prolific cell phone service. They own Fido in uh, in Canada. I don't know if that's a worldwide thing or, or in North America or whatnot, but they are a big deal. They've got a lot of juice. Anyway, they used to run video rental stores. Eventually, those video rental stores became cell phone providers slash video rental stores before becoming just cell phone providers before coming nothing. Uh, kiosks in the mall, very few standalone locations still exist. So I had a video store... Uh, nearby here in Winnipeg called STV, and uh, that's where I rented all my Genesis games as a kid, and of course movies and VHSs and stuff. Like that we also had a local mom and pop, or more of a franchise uh, video store called Pick a Flick, which ceases to exist now. Uh, they, I think they were franchised, There was a few of them in the city, but they were not a uh, wide chain, as it were. Uh, so those were my those were my picks, and uh, Rogers' video, of course. Uh, it's time to go rent the Star Wars movies and see the movies that all of this expanded universe stuff I, I am quickly getting into is based upon. And of course, after that, got into some of the old PC video games and the rest as they say It was like a, ma- it was like a master pack. I got behind, I think it was called Behind the Magic. It was like a making of Star Wars CD-ROM. that had a ton of great shit on it. It also had a encyclopedia of all the toys released up to that point. Uh, which is fantastic, like high res photos of every single Star Wars toy that had been released, with a quick synopsis of it. Of course, they've now probably made five thousand percent more Star Wars toys, uh, so it's by no means the definitive catalog, but it definitely had all the old stuff, and uh, that was super cool at the time. Um, again, we're talking pre pre prequels, uh, so Jedi Knight. Uh, The the trilogy of Jedi Knight games, sorry, Dark Forces, Dark Forces 2, Jedi Knight, etc. Those were included in there. Yoda Stories, the PC version, which is far superior to the Game Boy Color version, I have to say. And one of my favorite Star Wars games, if not one of my favorite games. Just a real chill kind of action, adventure, top-down, simple simple game where you play as Luke and, and go on uh, fetch quests for Yoda, essentially. Uh, but they're really good. Good sense of humor in that game. And then there was some other stuff with it, too. There was... A, there was Oh, shit. Yeah, fuck yeah. There was X-Wing, TIE Fighter. Uh, those were in there as well. So I, I bought a joystick. I was playing those games, etc., etc. I, I, uh, I grab the movies. And, of course, the guy at the video store uh, is, at the time, 18. And this is in 1997 or something like that. Uh, so, you know, he, he himself was not so much around when Star Wars, uh, came to be made, but he, he definitively told me the order to watch Star Wars in, because they are not numbered. The releases of Star Wars I rented, this was, this was not numbered Star Wars. This wasn't even the VHSs that have the big faces on it. There's like the, uh, what was it? Vader, Stormtrooper, and Yoda. Those are the VHSs I later owned. Uh, but this was the original cover VHSs that were for rent here. And of course, he tells me, this is how you're going to watch them. New Hope. Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Now, if you're a Star Wars fan or you have a brain in your head to know something about Star Wars, uh, you might know that that's the wrong order. And, of course, I only had a coupon to rent two uh, uh, old movies, so I grabbed A New Hope and Return of the Jedi. So, watch A New Hope. Great. Fantastic. Okay, context for a lot of what I'm seeing. I know what everything is. The Stormtrooper is not a single guy. He is There's a fleet of them. There's a bunch of them. Here's where the ships are. Here's where These are the good ships. These are the bad ships. All very important stuff to learn. I should say, pre- previous to all of this, my very, very first exposure to Star Wars period was at the Valley Fair in the United States. Uh, I want to say, I don't know if it's in Minnesota or one of the Dakotas, but there's the Valley Fair... They got the Berenstain Bears World there. They also did a laser show at night, and they did a sick ass laser show set to the John Williams score uh, of the Death Star Run of the the Trench Run in the in, in and New Hope. And I had no context for what the fuck was going on, uh, but everybody seemed to really like it and cheered. And then at the end, they showed a big laser face of Darth Vader, and 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 everybody was like, "This is really cool." I'm like, "What the fuck is this? Why does everybody know this?" Anyway, I digress. Watching New Hope, it's great. Pop in Return of the Jedi. And you can imagine, uh, I'm a bit lost. Admittedly, maybe I didn't read the text crawl very closely. But there's uh, there's a lot to unpack here. Luke's got a fake arm. Uh, Leia's in a bikini. Job of the Hutt is there. Uh, we're back on we're back on fucking Tatooine. Han's frozen. So I just assume I missed a line in the opening crawl. I'm like, did they really advance the plot this much? Uh, in, in between these two movies, this is fucking wild. So I watch all of Return of the Jedi, and it's fine. Return of the Jedi's not amazing. Uh, it has its moments, obviously, but there is a fair bit of filler in that movie. And I'm looking at you, Ewoks. I have no problem with the Ewoks conceptually. I have a problem with Han Solo and Leia standing next to a door for the climax of the trilogy. Anyway, I digress once more. Also, Lando's just like Lando's just a character they picked up at some point because uh, I hadn't watched Empire. So I, I go uh, do some research, and by that I mean go into the video rental store and read the back's. Because uh, this is pre-internet for for many of us here in Canada, uh, and and realize yes yes Empire Strikes Back is in fact the middle the middle of the saga and go and watch that and be like okay well this is obviously the best one and man I wish I would have watched this uh, before Return of the Jedi now I know that everything kind of turns out okay uh, for everybody but uh, Empire Strikes Back is still bar none the best of the three original movies uh, so anyway. Still big into Star Wars, collecting the toys, playing the playing the, what have you. And I'm in Ukrainian dancing at the time. Uh, t- took it for many, many years, seven or eight years uh, through my adolescence. And one of my teachers was also a huge Star Wars nerd. And I'm talking deep. I'm talking like this guy was like, you're into Star Wars, eh? Have you read the novels? Have you read the Calrissian trilogy? Or whatever the fuck it was. Anyway, this guy was like, there, there's more Star Wars. There's more content. There's more media that expands the universe. And I'm like, this sounds... Insane. Uh, and I remember distinctly, he's like, I will borrow you some of my novels, but you have to swear to me that you will not bend the spines. This is ve- this is very, very important to him. He also revealed to me that comic conventions were a thing. Now, in... F- fuck. Like I said, this is 1997, 1998. And I keep thinking of it as a longer period of time, but it's not. Time was just... Time was long... Time was longer back then. It's how your brain works. Uh, you are taking very copious notes of everything that's happening around you at that age that you just don't now. So what what could have happened anywhere within a span of six years now was in a span of six months back then. And uh, he he revealed to me that there are comic conventions, but they're not what you think they are. They're what they used to be, uh, at least here locally. Uh, you would rent out a hall, which you would normally use for a wedding, in, say, a hotel or a convention center. Usually not a convention center, because they just could not support that type of, of space. Uh, this one in particular was 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 nearby, at, a, at an inn, and they rent the room, everybody gets a, a table, you put your stuff on it, you sell it. And this is the where you would go to get older comic books, this is where you would go to get collectible toys. And he, he lets me know that Star Wars is a big thing for him, he collects the die-cast models of the ships. As I mentioned earlier, the ships it uh, was the main pull for me into into Star Wars. I think they are the neatest thing. I still think uh, that the design of the ships is 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 really, really good. And I'm like, that sounds awesome. I'm going to go do that. Went and did that. Let's me know in a, in a few weeks' time that's happening again. Save up my allowance and come see the Star Wars again. I go there and I can't find him. This is a very small room, so I don't know if I just missed him. I couldn't find his table. Who knows? Who could say? I was embarrassed when I went back to Ukrainian Dancing. I was like, dude, I was there. I didn't see you. And uh, when I couldn't find you and I got this money burning a hole in my pocket, I bought something else. At Ukrainian Dancing, some of the kids would bring Pokemon cards. I'd be, lo- be looking at them. Well, what, is what is this? What is this fucking Pokemon? And uh, it was around this time. It was like kind of a, a massive rollout of Pokemon. Uh, the, the games hit localized as red and blue. The commercials are on TV with the bus driver kidnapping all the Pokemon, which is a weird commercial uh, when you're trying to sell a game to kids, but I digress. Uh, that that was happening. The anime... I don't know where the anime started. I don't know if the anime was was just picking up, uh, if they were just starting to localize it or what, but basically uh, you had the games hit and the trading card game. And the trading card game was was kind of popular uh, on its own as, as a collectible thing. Very few people in my circles... Played Pokemon cards, which is a shame because it's a very fun game to play, and especially was back then when things were a little more, uh, how do you say, not simplified. Obviously, they're, they're trading card games. Over time, get more complicated. They add more things. They got to keep it fresh. You see people play the TCG now, and it's you're you're more or less able to follow based on having played Pokemon cards back in the day, or played the Game Boy Advance Pokemon TCG game. Um, anyway. I'm aware of Pokemon cards. I'm aware of Pokemon the game, having seen another patrol at school play it. A patrol, uh, someone who helps people cross the street. Crossing guard, I guess, would be the the more popular nomenclature, at least maybe in the States. Uh, Up here, we call them patrols. You're a patrol. (laughs) So you get a vest, you go stand, you help the kids cross the street. Uh, That's that's what you get. And the, the reward for this is you get hot chocolate in the cold months. And uh, when I say the cold months, I mean negative 40. We're talking about Winnipeg. Uh, let the kids stand out there and help the other kids cross the street. But they get hot chocolate for it. And then occasionally there would be... Uh, the the school division would do a patrol movie night. And you'd be able to go watch a movie for free. One such movie I got to see via being a patrol was Babe Pig in the City. Which is just an acid trip. of the, Like if you've seen the original Babe... It's good at its time. I remember it being extremely popular. I don't know how good of a movie or how much it holds up these days. But that second movie is fucking bananas. Anyway, I digress. He's not there. I know about Pokemon. I'm getting into it. I, I, I you know, of course. And uh, I see someone there's got Pokemon booster car, booster packs. I see someone there's got the starter kits. The, the, the training kit, which I believe was a half deck. Uh, this is the thing that came with Machamp. This is the thing that was all first edition. So everybody who's got a Machamp now is like, oh my god, it's first edition. This thing's worth thousands of dollars. It's like, no, was only first edition Machamps, I'm pretty sure. And um, so anyways, uh, this guy's selling the starter packs. And it's like 15 bucks. I don't know what the fuck it was back then. Uh, But I picked one up. And the rest is history. Uh, So (laughs) learned, learned the card game. Started collecting the cards. Realized what a booster pack was. This was my introduction to TCG's period Uh, and then just started getting into Pokemon, started getting into understanding what they were, how they worked, uh, eventually got the Game Boy Pocket game and Pokemon Red, loved the shit out of it, played the hell out of it, and was in the Pokemania, and this is all leading into the N64, and of course, the first 3D Pokemon game to be released in Pokemon Snap. And at the time, this was not a disappointing venture. Uh, anything Pokemon was welcome, the idea of being on a theme park ride, uh, where Pokemon are running all around, and you can take pictures of them to be graded by Professor Oak, was fucking cool then as it is fucking cool now. Um, and of course, here here we are, 22 years later, and the Pokemon TCG is as popular, maybe for the wrong reasons, as it's ever been on top of uh, a Pokemon Snap game just being released, and it being fucking incredible. Uh, po- there's the core RPG fans, and I was one of these for a long time, that anytime they saw a spinoff was just like, no, get go away. More core RPGs, more battling, more Pokemon world, please, or get the fuck out. And uh, I see the error in in those ways now, uh, is that I actually enjoy Pokemon in the same way I enjoy the Star Wars universe, is like looking at the walls, paying attention to the world in which these creatures inhabit, and just looking at them and their designs, and New Pokemon Snap is a great uh, extrapolation of that. Uh, And that first game was so fucking good, man. And that was uh, revealed on a Pokemania which was a weekend event on YTV. It's a children's broadcasting network out of Ontario here in Canada. And uh, they got new localized uh, episodes of Pokemon. They made a thing of it. They made an advertising push of it. In that they didn't just toss it at the end of the ep- So anime and things that were getting localized. Uh, they would run uh, basically all the way through it. Uh, they might start. Uh, have- so like if if Dragon Ball was playing for example. They didn't have new episodes. Uh, and they were in the middle of the Frieza saga. They might just start it at the beginning of the Frieza saga. Uh, if if they knew it was going to be a longer time, they would go back even further uh, and start even from like the beginning or the or the, when the, when Raditz showed up. And you knew when that would happen. You'd be tuning in, and it would it would be the middle of the week. It wouldn't be like Monday or Friday. It would be like Wednesday, and you're like, oh baby boy, brand new episode of Dragon Ball Z's turning Super Saiyan this week. I know, and then suddenly you are 36 episodes of filler. Uh, in the past, and you're like, fuck me, it's gonna be at least a month before we get a new episode of this shit. So, with Pokemon, because it was so fucking popular for them, and uh, hit such a rating, I guess, uh, they decided, we're gonna make an event out of it, a weekend event, we got two new episodes to air, and we're gonna make it a fucking thing, a celebration of Pokemon. And on that, someone from Nintendo showed up, and they showed PJ Phil. Uh, the, the Pokemon Snap demo. And immediately you're like, well, I need a fucking, I need a fucking N64. Uh, and go, go to Roger's Video and rent an N64 with Pokemon Snap. Uh, fantastic game. Of course, when I did end up saving uh, my ducats to buy a N64, Pokemon Stadium was out at that point. And uh, in terms of a, a value, uh, that was the way to go. I now own, I think, since then, three different versions of Pokemon Snap? <laughs> Just over the years? Not... Not like three North American versions. I have the original release of Pokemon Snap. And then I believe I have the Korean and Japanese versions I have just accrued over the years. And even though when I sell things off or whatnot, those just those just stay. And I know when it uh, was re released on the Wii, I, I picked that up. And I'm like, I know this game back to front. And f- in 45 minutes, I basically had nothing more to do except try to grind out better scores on my photos. Uh, so I'm going to talk a lot about new Pokemon Snap on Public Beta Podcast. Which, looking at my watch, will either be tomorrow or Friday uh, so listen to that for more. But the the Pokemon and Star Wars nostalgia, I was feeling it this week, and it's not just because I'm delirious uh, from withdrawals from energy drinks. It's uh, it's it's very topical this week. We're we're in it. Uh, people are standing in line for hours to get happy meals that have promotional Pokemon cards in them. That now, yeah. of course, at the height of Pokemon, they did a fucking movie. They did the Mewtwo movie, and it was glorious. And uh, this is you know internet. Not so much at this time. Uh, You got a lot of information from the newspaper in terms of when movies were playing and arriving or even coming out. So we had plans, me and a guy across the street and a couple of his friends. They were older than me, a year older. We were going to go see the Pokemon movie on Friday. Lo and behold, someone cracks a newspaper that morning and realizes like, oh no, this is such a big fucking deal. It's not coming Friday. They're doing... This was the first time I've ever... And there was like years after this where it didn't exist either, which was a Wednesday showing. We got to open this movie two days earlier, and they do that. They did a lot with the Avengers and, and Star Wars stuff of of late, where they released the movie a couple days early just to alleviate the weekend box office. Um, and uh, sure enough, it's it's playing tonight. Let's go, let's go. There's an hour and a half to go. We can do it. And of course, back in that day, if you're asking for a ride from your parents, you typically wouldn't ask for the ride to the faraway theater that had more screens and more space. Uh, No, we went to our local two-screen theater, and it was you can look up whatever else was playing that weekend, but only one screen was showing fucking Pokemon, and there was a 7 o'clock show, and it was the first showing in Winnipeg. So we go there, and uh, in our local mall, the line is straight from the movie theater all the way through the mall and out uh, the food court. And of course, if you don't know, the Garden City Mall... Uh, this is meaningless to you, but let's say, uh, give or take three hundred to four hundred people in line for this movie, and uh, they got promotional cards. They got four promotional cards. Oh boy, what are they? <laughs> Hitmon Hitmonlee, Pikachu. Oh fuck, and two and two others. I, like I want to say Mewtwo and Mew, but I don't think that's the case. Ancient Mew was a giveaway with the second movie. I think with Pokemon 2000, the Lugia movie, you got a you got a, a ancient Mew card, which I still fucking have. I got all of my Pokemon cards still, and a lot of them are first edition. I have most of the Jungle and Fossil sets in first edition. I don't have a lot of first edition from the the first. Like I said, I got into it just a little bit too late uh, to pull those from boosters. But Jesus Christ, I got all this shit. Pokemon to me is something I'm I'm gonna hold on with two hands and and my entire lifetime. It's never depreciated. It's it's only gone up. It's insane uh, as, as just a media property. Anyway, how the fuck are we, four of us, going to get into this movie, ensure we get the promotional cards? Because you only, we only got so many. And there was a carousel set up in the front. And I got no fucking regrets about what we did here. This was as honest as cutting in a line as could be. <laughs> the carousel is, is maybe, let's be honest, 10 people from the front, maybe less maybe less maybe we cut the front of the line maybe this was the best line cut in the in fucking human history that no one will ever be able to recognize but if i'm i'm not exaggerating saying there was 300 people in line and based on the capacity of the theater and how many people got turned away that seems correct they were they were selling tickets to this movie theater where there were no seats people were sitting in the aisles people were standing in the back it was insane we sit on this car we just chill on this carousel and no one says, any, We this wasn't a plan. We all just sit on this carousel and we're like bummed. Because we're like, well, I guess we're not seeing the Pokemon movie. Uh, someone's going to have to go use a payphone to call mom and uh, pick our, our, our lame asses up. And before we could even formulate that plan, someone in line turns to us and says, oh, sorry, were you in line? this carousel's just off the line. We're just sitting on it and we could be in line, we could not be in line. This person asked, "Oh, sorry, are you in line?" even though they were standing there when we walked up and sat on the carousel. And without skipping a beat, I said, "Yes, we are." And we uh we were the uh, man. The the theater was empty when we got in it. By the time the movie started, it was it was over capacity. We cut that line. We got our promotional Pokémon cards. We grabbed our snacks, we sat the fuck down, and we enjoyed Pokemon, the first movie. And like I said, no no regrets. Am I proud? Uh, well, think of it, nah, man, maybe I got my comeuppance years later, uh, when we, we stood in line for like an hour and a half to see, uh, well, I've been to, uh, it's a double-edged sword, I guess, but I've definitely stood in line at E3 for things for over three hours, uh, so, so that sucks. I got used to standing in line. So this is my one win. Let me have it. Uh, but we we did stand in line for Dustin Bufflin's signature Winnipeg Jet. But Dustin Bufflin in the tuxedo area at a shopper's drug mart. He was just signing shit. So we showed up with all our Jets gear. And the line got cut off at us. Uh, like, the security guard was like, he stayed here for an extra 45 minutes than he was supposed to. And the line got cut off at us. And we're not assholes. So we weren't like, oh, come on! We were like, hey, that's, that's life, baby. And uh, the woman behind me uh, just lost her mind. She was just like, "Come on, get him to stay." I'm the woman from the newspaper that saved someone from the river. I swear to God. Anyway, uh, but she was completely had no, no no legs to stand on as we were standing in front of her, and we were completely cool with it. And we we're just basically, yeah, yeah, that's that's the way it goes. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Sometimes you sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. So uh, I'm I'm proud of my line cut at the Pokemon first movie, and I'm glad I got to see the first showing of Pokemon in Winnipeg. Fuck you. And then years later, when Pokemon 2000 came out, uh, went and went went to that same theater to watch it, and uh, this time they had put the line at the front of the building, and of course the line was maybe not as uh, robust as it was for the first movie, but still, still a lot of people. They still sold out that theater for that second movie, and then of course the third movie, I believe, just went straight to VHS, even though I, I think, I mean, Detective Pikachu was in theaters, and a lot of people saw that. A lot of people paid for that. Pokemon should... Should I have more movies? I don't... Anyway, uh, Pokemon is here to stay forever. Let's all just accept it. Uh, now, let's talk a little bit about Giant Bomb. Uh, so yesterday, as I do on Tuesdays, uh, I'm at home here in the home office working, and it's time for the Giant Bomb cast. Let's, let's tune in, uh, get my, my smiles, so there's a lot going on in the world of video games. Uh, there's there's the, the Tim Sweeney... The whole Epic vs. Apple thing going on... Some new games out... Excited to learn what's going on... I tune in and... Lo and behold... If you don't know about Giant Bomb... Or have no interest in Giant Bomb... Feel free to skip ahead to songs of Slam... Which will probably be like 5 to 10 minutes from now... Uh, but otherwise I'm going to talk about it. If you're interested in video games... The video game industry... If you're interested in... Uh, video game... Let's say in quotes... Journalism... And... Uh, and that kind of thing... And the community around video games... Stick around. Uh, I'm going to talk pretty candidly uh, about about Giant Bomb as if it's something that, if you're listening, you'll know about. But I'll, I'll try my best to interject with with a little history and uh, why this matters uh, to so many people. Anyway, we tune in. Uh, Giant Bomb is split into two coasts. Uh, and lo and behold, some of the East Coast uh, people are on the West Coast podcast, which is on Tuesdays, which is the Giant Bombcast. cast. Uh, Jeff Gertzman is there, uh, the, one, one of the founders of the site whole history of him and, and how this site became to take came to be, which is interesting and worth a read up on Wikipedia. Anyway, uh, outside of him, uh, we have Brad shoemaker also in early on that, uh, a ubiquitous member of the team, Vinny Caravella and Alex Navarro. Uh, this would be the, the key unit of giant bomb right now as everybody else has, has moved on or is, is not necessarily an on screen personality. Jan, uh, is both. Uh, Jan's very similar to what Drew Scanlon used to be. A lot of you might know Drew Scanlon as the blinking white guy meme, uh, but he is, he's in the production side of things, but also has a, a brilliant personality and is is welcome anywhere he shows up in their content. And then Jason, a uh, striker who also shows up on the podcast from time to time, is more in the production side of things but also does features and stuff on the site. Um, and, and Matt Rorty is there of course as well, who's more of the back end of things. So really, on screen personalities left on this uh on this website uh are are Jeff Brad Alex Vinny these are the the OG these are the original guard uh standing here and here they are on this podcast and I didn't think of anything of it I'm just like oh man we got a fucking all-star team going on here and uh Giant Bomb was recently sold from CBS uh to Red Ventures I believe also with GameSpot uh, and GameSpot and, and and Giant Bomb have been kind of sister websites for a long time, uh, even though their their origins is is a split. They've they've come back together uh, from Whiskey Media to CBS, now to Red Ventures. And uh, in in the turmoil of that, uh, or or for whatever reason, their own personal reasons, uh, Abby Russell and Ben Pack more recently left, uh, and they were the youthful members. And we're bringing a lot of energy uh, to the website. And of course, in the last year, Giant Bomb is unique in that it is a website. This isn't a... They're not Twitch streamers. They're not YouTubers. Uh, they aren't... And I use this as an endearing term. They aren't shills uh, like the members of the IGN and, and GameSpot crew. Uh, their personality shine. The website is a representation of that. And uh, that's why people are so drawn to Giant Bomb. It has a... Uh, level of genuine to it that a lot of other things like this don't have another website that seemed to have this was screw attack and they're of course defunct now uh screw attack is how i kind of came into uh my my career as someone in the video game industry knowing a lot about video games studying it collecting it uh screw attack and game trailers was my was my route in uh, and then years later you know Gi- i knew of giant bomb i knew of jeff Gertzman and what happened with him and and separating Caught their content here and there, uh, but it wasn't really until around the time Ryan Davis passed away, uh, an, another one of the founding members of Giant Bomb, that uh, I got into the content big time uh, with Ramil kind of pushing me towards best ofs on YouTube and me just kind of exploring the website after that and some of the, the, the old content and just realizing like this is a very, very humble, genuine way to cover video games. And how do they get away with this? How do they get away with not? putting advertising, you know, not being too ad heavy on the, uh, keeping their integrity in their, in their reviews. And based on how the, the website was formed, like I said, go read that wiki. Uh, that was very important to the website and has been for fucking 13 years or whatever it's been. So, uh, here we are in the pandemic era. Here we are with this website, uh, with studios and, and, and shows and features being shifted completely to online. And these are not Twitch streamers. These are not 20 year olds. These are for the most part, 40-year-old men now uh, covering this industry that they love and and burning out on it. Burning out on having to generate this content that is not uh, by their own means now. I digress once more. Digress is the word of the day. Uh, so this podcast begins and Vinny Caravella reveals that Friday will be his last day with the website. Alex Navarro chimes in and says Friday will be his last day with the website. And Brad Shoemaker follows up with a, uh, it will also be my last day on the website giant bomb is cut down Jeff Gertzman the only original remaining member here uh, and he will remain he's he's they, they have a plan uh for for this website in the future um but is it giant bomb without all these guys without this without the handing of the torch from one to another of what giant bomb is uh all credit to Jeff Gertzman we're gonna I'm gonna keep Shit, it's not over till it's over we're gonna keep uh, watching, but my concern, of course, is will the day come soon where oh maybe it should have been over and Screw Attack kind of went through that. Uh, there was some controversy there with the two founding members of that having kind of a, a very public split and uh, one not maybe uh, what's the word pulling their weight uh, around the website and going to to form something else that almost immediately failed kind of based on what you learned uh, about that and and those. Uh, characters kind of satellite becoming part of uh, that guy with the glasses network and stuff like that. And there, there is a, there's there's something bittersweet to be said about knowing when something, something should die and that the things that have come before it, all the things you've enjoyed over the years will always still be there. Giant Bomb and its content is not going anywhere. You're gonna be able to see more hours of Vinny Caravella, Alex Navarro and Brad Shoemaker than you could ever possibly watch in your time but there is something to be said about there not being any new content and in fact these people that a lot of people on the internet spend hours and hours with on a weekly basis uh as as their rock let's be honest there's a lot of people who are fucked up by this news um that that's just going to go away and if these people don't get a job in the public eye or don't do something on Patreon or don't stay in this industry as it were, that this is not unlike someone passing away. And it's it's extra bittersweet because Giant Bomb has in their history uh, one of their shining stars of a member in Ryan Davis, tragically passing away days after his wedding. And, uh, and everybody... It, you know at the time how how fucking grief-stricken everybody was with that for all these same reasons and now it's this many years later in the middle of a pandemic and these three guys are going away and this this stone this pillar of giant bomb is is not it's it's still going to be there but it will certainly never be the same and hasn't been and that's the thing that you kind of have to cling to is that the pandemic is to blame that there the the content Everything that w- with Giant Bomb has basically been fucked up for over a year now. And from our point of view, it's like, it's still entertaining. They're still there. But do you really consider the toll on on the people generating this content week in, week out? And how uh, 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 hand-to-mouth the content has been uh, by their own accord. Meeting on a, on a Monday to plan what's happening on Wednesday. And just kind of limping through this not knowing what's on the other side, not knowing if things will return to normal and then basically with this Red Ventures thing and losing their office and the catharsis thereof, knowing that it may never be the same. And if there is a time to get out, it's now. And uh, I love them all. I I love Giant Bomb. I love uh, what it it means for video games. I love the way they cover the industry. I love the way they talk about it. And it's all the things I've mentioned uh, so far. And... I I'll, I'll be honest with you when when Abby left uh and and Ben then left thereafter to me that was almost like oh that's the that's the young blood they're they're gone they were the ones injecting the the new ideas and stuff like that into there. previous to that Dan Reichert uh Austin uh which is shit what can you say about Austin Austin uh in his year uh stay at Giant Bomb uh brought so much and was really important for him to be there but I think that guy has more important things to say and do. That while Giant Bomb would be a great platform to do it on, he's he's kind of spun out to where he needs to be now. And uh, uh, previous to that, man uh, Drew Scanlon uh, went on to Cloth Map, which is now also defunct. Uh, I don't know what's happening with that, but those those are the main hosts of my time, and I've I've liked something about all of them. I like what they all bring to the table, and the one thing that they all have to say about it is at a certain point the heat the the negative just wears on you over time and based on, they're basically, yeah, what, what, what can you say? The internet is both the best and worst thing uh, to ever happen to mankind. Therefore, right. Um, that you can't turn it off. You can't not see the comments. You can't not see that people are downvoting your video simply because you are in a video. Uh, that shit's awful. And the giant bomb community of course raises these people up and, and, and what have you. But if people want to step away from the internet for good, or their own mental health and stuff like that that's the bittersweet part but you have to understand it you you can't be angry at these people uh for wanting to move on and not giving you uh you know another 10 years of their lives um because because you need it more than them i think is what i'm trying to say and uh it's i'll be sad to see them go uh i, I goddamn uh like anyone else i've relied on their content over the years and it's, and it's comfort food there are tons of sticky threads and stuff going on right now of uh best ofs i i posted one of my own favorites which was a episode of the giant beast cast i believe episode 152 where Vinny caravella talks about being home alone for the weekend and ordering a amount of dominoes that was supposed to carry him through the whole weekend but he just eats it all the first day i i could listen to that clip over and over and over again and I still can. It's still there. Go revisit some of your favorite Giant Bomb content. Don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. And a lot of people are kind of treating this as a, a. We're we're in the post mortem of Giant Bomb, and that's just simply not the case yet. There's there's more to come, and all that stuff that has happened has still happened. Um, but all the best to them all the same. Anyone who's staying, anyone who's who's going, uh, let's let's make it a success. Let's hope you find uh, what you. Uh, what you're looking for and that's uh, all I can really say on it uh we'll, we'll maybe talk more about giant bomb on on other podcasts as as things develop with them uh but I wish them the absolute very best and I'm very glad Ramil got me into them all those years later and I've been a happy subscriber ever since bought a lot of their merch got all those pins and uh things hit differently now with giant bomb knowing that that it's over uh what a thing what a strange strange week uh of of nostalgia mixed where with what where things are going in a world where 22 years later we get a new pokemon snap uh something that you've relied on for so long is is kind of not going to be the same anymore and that's uh like i said bittersweet all right let's talk about something that's trending upwards uh and that's AEW dynamite with uh, a little segment i like to call with the song. Giddy up, it's last week's AEW Dynamite here on the same day you'll be able to watch Blood and Guts Dynamite coming up in just a matter of hours, Wednesday... April 28th, 2021, Daily's Place in Jacksonville, Florida. Without delay, we open with Hangman Adam Page versus Brian Cage, Page and Cage, Cage and Page. Brian Cage sneak attacks Hangman during his entrance, Team Taz and tow for a beatdown. Dark Order appears to even the odds. Officials appear to clear the extra men from the stage. Brian Cage gets in an extra powerbomb here on the Hangman uh, on the uh, same stage. The aforementioned stage, before they enter the ring in the match, actually starts. Taz joins the commentary team on this one, but doesn't have a whole lot to add. Uh, Cage goes to work on Hangman, pummels him with power moves and slams for a near fall. Hangman caught up for the Drill Claw, fights free, the men brawl to the outside. Back in the ring, Brian Cage finishes the job. Buckle bomb, Drill Claw, Hangman is pinned clean. 1, 2, Three, a decisive victory moves cage above hangman for the aw championship contention as far as i know that's that's what this was hangman's time is not now perhaps we're heating up brian cage for kenny omega in the meantime either way you gotta have matches like this and uh they mean something when it comes down to these two guys without having a dq finish or something like that uh they 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 did enough at the start of the match to show you that hangman page wasn't at full strength here uh so of course you can uh chirp on the internet about it recap of mox and eddie kingston attacking the elite's trailer from last week the elite in the back of a very nice limousine kenny ensures us that he is not afraid gallows licks his own bicep because he's a freak Uh, or something uh the driver accidentally hits the horn and everyone in the back screams uh, thinking that they are once upon set upon by Moxley and uh, Kingston here. Uh, they regain their composure and the scene ends. The Seidel brothers versus the Young Bucks. Seidels enter first. Seem relatively over with the uh, reduced or sweetened crowd. Bucks raided Seth Rollins' wardrobe, but they are looking good, admittedly. Uh, but they have his exact jacket, I believe it was. I think Seth Rollins called it out on, on Twitter or something like that. Uh, got that drip as the kids would say. Don Callis joins the commentary team. Should the Seidel's win, they will be given a, uh, a title opportunity, allegedly. I believe SCU is uh, still number one contenders or have been for a while. I think that comes up at the end of this match. Stipulation uh, that whenever Daniels and Gazarian, of course, lose next, they will break up. Death Triangle fought and lost against the Bucks recently and moved down the rankings, I believe is explained here. Callis admits he is impressed by Matt Seidel's performance. Uh, Seidel's put up a great fight here, lots of athletic spots and varied offense. Refs uh, back his turn, Matt Jackson delivers a Johnny Cage low blow to Mike Seidel. Uh, they clear Matt from the apron and BTE trigger Mike, pinning him one, two, three. A guy in a tracksuit brings the Bucks ice packs and ice spray. Uh, now that I think of it, that was actually Brandon Cutler, wasn't it? Uh, Kazarian and Daniels appear on the stage. Kazarian and Daniels take turns cutting a quick promo. They mention their friendship and how entitled and bitch-like uh, that the Young Bucks have become. The attitude sucks. We're going to take those titles from you and beat your ass. Daniel says sign on the dotted line and let's go. This is a bit confusing because I believe later on there's a four-way, like an eight-man tag match announced for next week or something like that. Uh, and SCU is in it. I don't know if they're putting their contention up or if they remain contenders even if they lose that match or what happens. I don't know. Bit confusing. A quick Jade Cargill video pra- uh, package here. The hottest unsigned act says that her uh, she's her own boss and manager signing her and making a cut of money doesn't sit well with her. Well, that's how managers work, Jade Cargill. You have to pay them. Alex Albrejantes enters alongside Penta El Zero Miero. Uh, L0M. Uh, Abrahantes is a full-fledged part of this act now, I guess. Uh, it escalated very quickly from us being like, hey, this is kind of fun, to... Oh, he's he's part of it. Uh, Penta versus Orange Cassidy. Here we go. Penta prevents Cassidy from placing his hands in his pockets multiple times. Penta dramatically removes his own right-hand glove, tossing it to Abrahantes, who hams it up outside the ring. Cassidy, uh... Follows suit here, removes his sunglasses, and tosses them to Trent, who doesn't come close to catching them. Cassidy plants his hands in his pockets and delivers a series of devastating kicks. And now the indie portion of this uh, match is over, and we're going to pick things up. Penta strikes. Cassidy dodges and weaves, delivering an arm drag with his hands still in his pockets. Thumb biting and a near fall later, Penta catches Orange Cassidy mid-tope suicida. Penta drops Cassidy onto the apron, and we head to break. Blocked Orange Punch. Pump handle from Penta for a near fall. Cassidy breaks... uh, the arm breaker here by sliding his hand into his pocket. These men trade thrust kicks destroyer beach break. Uh, Penta beats Cassidy into the corner before murdering him with a thrust kick. Stun dog millionaire from Cassidy. Orange gets in a diving DDT, a spinning DDT and Penta is able to kick out of this uh, pretty handedly as Alex Abrahantes is on the mic on the apron for a distraction. He starts talking shit. Cassidy pulls him into the ring. The ref is distracted. Penta gets Cassidy set up for a pile driver. Uh, Cassidy reverses it, grabs Abrahanta's microphone and Orange punches Penta with it and pins him one, two, three. So old Alex here cost his, his buddy Penta the match in a way. Uh, Penta seemed like he was, he was doing okay. He kicked out of what was a succession of Orange Cassidy's uh, finishing moves. Uh, but that's, comes with the territory in uh, an Orange Cassidy match, I guess. Britt Baker backstage with Reba and Tony Schiavone. She reiterates that she is the top ranked top contender for her Karushita. Tony Schiavone in the ring to introduce the Pinnacle and Inner Circle for their parlay. Pinnacle music sounds more and more like a fighting game menu music. uh, Like the more I hear it. Both teams have a security detail. Inner Circles uh, arrives on choppers. Spears speaks first and addresses Sammy. Everyone gets their chance to cut a promo here for the most part. Sammy is goaded into entering the match first, meaning Pinnacle gets the advantage in the match. Dak says something uh, about someone's life being cut short, isn't afraid to die, tells Santana to hug his kids and tell them daddy isn't coming back. Santana asks the Pinnacle if they've ever been locked up as he and Ortiz have, says May 5th, his hands will do the talking. Hey, that's today. Uh, MJF speaks up thanks Jericho says he made the best group in pro wrestling says he will claim Jericho's spot Jericho fills him in on how things work Uh, they need to you need to earn your spot Jericho recounts his history and how he got to where he is today at 25 having headlined arenas in Japan Mexico etc it's where he got his reputation that put him on top. Uh, If you want my spot, a good place to start is beating Inner Circle at Blood and Guts, but they are Blood and Guts. Calls Inner Circle a family in AEW since day one. Jericho screams at MJF's face. If 1969 was the summer of love, uh, 2021 will be the summer of violence, and next week at Blood and Guts, summer starts early for you. Kingston explodes onto the stage. This is a, a new segment. Uh, he's upset Kenny Omega has replaced himself in a match tonight with Michael Nakazawa. Kenny appears to tell Kingston he gets the goons, not the champ. Nakazawa sneak attacks Eddie and they fight. Exploder to Nakazawa and a backfist. Kingston grabs a chair and prepares to pilmanize Nakazawa's ankle if Omega doesn't enter the ring. Brandon Cutler is called out to goon on Kingston. Cutler comes out crawling. Uh, Moxley appears to grab a sneaky sleeper hold on Omega. Kingston prepares to break Omega's ankle. Don Callis wants to negotiate. The men agree to terms of a tag match. Omega and Nakazawa versus Kingston and Moxley next week. Christian Cage confronts Taz backstage during a Tony Schiavone interview. Christian seems to be setting up the angle between he and Taz more than anyone. Tells Taz that his team would be better off without him. I'm assuming that means his son as well. Uh, Penelope Ford and Kip Sabian versus uh, Chris Tatlander. Statlander enters with Orange Cassidy and gets the Pixies entrance music as well. This is not a mixed tag match. This is just uh, Ford versus Statlander. Uh, great, albeit short match, they fight to the outside. Penelope with a neckbreaker. Penelope gets caught attempting a handspring. Big Bang Theory by Chris Statlander. One, two, three. Statlander boops her nose. Miro does not appear here. No Miro. Ten gets a video package ahead of his main event tonight. Then we get QT, Nick Camarano, Aaron Solo versus Billy Gunn, Dustin Rhodes, and Lee Johnson. Odd choice before a main event that includes Ten of the Dark Order in terms of putting lesser talent uh, in a match here on the show. But I digress. I digress. Uh, The word of the day again. When I started paying attention to this match, Dustin was already indisposed of. uh, Anthony Ogogo, who was not in the match, obliterates Lee Johnson and Billy Gunn's guts with his devastating punch. QT gets the pin on Lee Johnson here. Uh, You still suck, chance from the crowd. Billy Gunn's sons appear to attack QT after the match. The factory jumps in to even the odds, and QT retreats to the Nightmare Family bus. Cody can clearly be seen, uh, seen lying in wait through the window. A parking lot brawl begins as Cody... Lunges out the door of the the van here. Uh, Cody puts QT in a figure four on top of the bus. Audrey Edwards is there for some reason. QT tries to tap. It's not a match, dude. You're on top of a bus. Uh, next week's dynamite, aka tonight's dynamite card, is run down. Enjoy blood and guts, everyone. And uh, most notably here, Moxley versus Yuji Nagata is announced for May 12th, and uh, that will be for the IWGP US Championship. Kip is backstage, confronts Miro. Before Kip can get two words out, Miro lunges at him, tosses him into a door and a locker. Repeatedly, chokes him with a chain. It's time to pay your dues," says Miro as he slams Kip's arm in the door. "I forgive you," says Miro, as he clutches a injured Kip. Ten versus Darby Allen for the TNT Championship. An excellent selling by uh, by Dar- Darby here really puts over the uh, the relatively green Ten in this match big time. Heel Ethan Page uh, appears to get a slam in on Darby during the match. The Dark Order who are faces, advise Ten not to miss this opportunity. A near fall on Darby. Ten tempts a full Nelson. Darby rips at the eye hole of Ten's mask to break free. catches, uh, However, Ten catches Darby mid-coffin drop. Full Nelson on Darby. Darby is fading, hits the mat, and rolls up Ten to actually beat him 1-2-3. Darby retains by the skin of his teeth here. Uh, very good match, especially considering one half of the dance partners here. A show of respect after the match. Ten helps Darby to his feet. Darby grabs the Brody band off of Ten's uh, wrist. Holds it up, they hug, Darby and Sting strut around the ring, Ethan Page appears, both men distracted as Scorpio Sky chops Sting's leg out, and they beat down Darby and Sting with submissions, Lance Archer appears for the save, Jake the Snake is here as well, so we can get a paycheck, I don't, I don't know, Jake the Snake is just there, and uh, that's the show, that's the show! A good dynamite, Uh, really uh, a good precursor to what will hopefully be a, a phenomenal dynamite tonight in Blood and Guts. And uh, looking forward to it. So that's uh that's gonna do it for, for pro wrestling this week. There's all kinds of nonsense we could talk about around uh you, WWE Ava Marie is back? You've you've in the same month, you've let go Samoa Joe? I won't even say Samoa you let go Peyton Royce, who was relatively popular and for the most part could wrestle to bring back Ava Marie? Put Ava Marie in the fucking ring with Lana. Two people who have been in your fucking company for well over, all, all said and done, been in your company for multiple years and see how well they work. This is not what you need. This is why things are 50-50 on the women's division in WWE, in my fucking opinion, is is you, you don't get to have it both ways. Anyway. I, apparently, apparently, like, Ava Marie can get heat all day long. She's fantastic at that aspect of pro wrestling or sports entertainment or whatever you want to call it. But she's got to get in the ring and she's got to be able to wrestle. And uh, that's the same issue with Lana as far as I'm Not to throw Lana under the bus. Uh, Lana seems like she's genuinely trying to be a pro wrestler. Whereas Ava Marie's just like, it's an option. It's not porn. Uh, there's porn still out there, Ava Marie. Perhaps you'll have a better work rate in a a pornography. (laughs) At Iceberg Podcast is us. On Twitter, leahtitsyiceberg.com is my email address. Send questions, topics, things you find interesting uh, there. For either this podcast, New Tits of the Iceberg, or Public Beta Podcast, which should be on track to record tomorrow. Talk all about video games. So join us there. And uh, thank you as always uh, For sticking with the show Especially when it's a a day late Or something like that We see those download numbers You can go check out The Venom Super episode now And uh, we appreciate it As always Thank you for joining me On this very strange week And that's just the tits of the iceberg